Latvia Weekly, your independent guide to the news in Latvia, with your hosts Otto Tabuns and Joe Horgan. Latvian Museum, and welcome to episode number 180 of the Latvia Weekly podcast, or in my case, Labrit, since it is uh, six in the morning here in Latvia, and Labvakar from Otto, who, uh, where are you in the world right now, Otto? So I'm currently in Texas, not far from uh, the great city of uh, Houston. And of course, it is uh, 10 in the evening for me. And we have a lot to discuss today on this episode of the Lot Weekly podcast, especially since it has been uh, quite some time since Otto and I were able to sit down together and uh, discuss all that has happened. But as we always do here on the Lot Weekly podcast, we are going to start with not just one word of the week, but since it has been some time since we had a uh, previous episode, we're going to do two words of the week. Those words are agri and velu. Otto, can you explain what these words, which are somewhat related, uh, agri and velu mean? And of course, the first one uh, means early and the second one means late. Yes, and uh, it is very appropriate this episode because uh, for agri, for me, it is very early in the morning here in Yelgova, and it is also very early in the year. This is the first episode of the year, so Laimigu Yaunogaru, Visium, a happy new year. Um, and Velu makes sense for Otto because it is quite late where he is, and this episode itself is also fairly late. But I think for um, in the more correct way to say in Latvian would be Kavet, uh, yes, but uh, I'm uh, apologize if once again been um, sick. Uh, this is the first day that my voice has sounded somewhat normal, so uh, I'm going to try my best to cut my uh, commentary down and 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 uh, let uh, uh, Otto um, kind of discuss um, some of the issues in a little bit more detail because we we have quite a bit to discuss today, Otto. Um, first of all, uh, since the last time that we talked, we have had a coalition agreement, so we. Um, just discussed uh, just previously, we we left off right when um, you know the new government was going to be confirmed, but it has been confirmed, Otto. So, um, you know, uh, how so far would you, um, I guess, uh, in in their time since the the then they were confirmed about a month ago, how would you uh, rate the new government's um, cooperation so far? Uh, I would say that. Uh at this point uh, it has become rather solid but um, there are a number of uh, points that would not uh, let us bet easily on the long-term structural stability of this arrangement uh, even though the parliamentary mathematics would not allow uh, for uh, many uh, variations uh, still um, i think uh, we discussed this before that uh, it took uh, unexpectedly longer uh, for them to be able to uh, agree on it. And uh, there would be uh, some issues that I think we also have the chance to discuss in this and the following episodes uh, that could very well uh, become the time bomb that uh, breaks this agreement apart. Yes, exactly. Um, And, you know, one of those potential hot button issues is one that we uh, discussed briefly either in the previous episode or the one before that. So this was uh, back on the 15th of December, there was a picket that was held that uh, was in support of accepting the civil union law. That was a draft law that did not succeed in the uh, committees we talked about. Um, And uh, this uh, 
picket to support this um, draft law for civil unions did not succeed. Um, and this was, you know, kind of as Otto just pointed out a second ago, this was an issue where we saw different coalition partners um, not coalesce on the issue because uh, the Yano Vienotipa party is uh, behind this law. The National Alliance uh, is pretty uh, firmly against it. And the um, uh, the uh, United list, um, for, for the most part, seems to be uh, opposed to the law. So, Otto, do you see this being a potential uh, clash point in the future as well? Or do you think that this issue is not as, um, you know, critical for the coalition partners as maybe some of the others are? Um, they certainly uh, discussed this uh, point at length, uh, not only between themselves, but also uh, bilaterally between particular parties and some of the civil society representatives who are involved with the issue. But uh, it seems that uh, this will not be a deal breaker uh, in the end, because I think they have agreed to disagree on this, at least between the three of them. Uh, and uh, for those who would uh, look forward to uh, supporting uh, the uh, legal resolution of this matter, uh, there could be uh, other avenues that they would pursue. Uh, already there is the arrangement in which uh, courts have recognized uh, families not considered by some as traditional, uh, uh, but uh, so there already would be a solution to this without a particular legislation. At the same time, uh, I would not uh, think that people who would like to have this regulated uh, in a specific uh, act of uh, law, as it was also indicated uh, by uh, the Constitutional Court, uh, that would be the duty of Parliament to uh, resolve this in one way or another. Uh, they are not going to quit. They will uh, um, continue uh, gathering signatures and putting it uh, to the table of uh, the parliament to look at and uh, we can expect that not to leave the agenda. I do have to say that this is a very American solution of them to let the courts basically uh, take the heat away from parliament because this is how we've solved a lot of our hot button issues over the last um, few decades. So um, I, I don't know uh, how often Latvia has done this, Otto, but but this is certainly a very American kind of a phenomenon right here to kind of let the courts decide and then throw your hands up and say, oh, well, you know, we're just going to have to disagree, agree to disagree, uh, you know, here here in the parliament. So, um, you know, we'll we'll definitely follow this issue because it is not going to go away, uh, regardless of the kind of um, can't really say compromise, but at least kind of stalemate that is, uh, um, you know, kind of uh, taken over in this situation. Let's take a look at Riga Auto because we have a few interesting stories coming out of Riga. So um, this was back in the middle of December. So this was December fourteenth that Riga got a new vice mayor, that is Mr. Edvard Ratniks from the National Alliance. And he is replacing uh, Mr. Edvard Smiltens, who was just elected into Saima. So um, apparently he has a uh, history or a, a career in uh, law. So he has been, um, you know, he graduated as a, a lawyer from the University of Latvia. And he also uh, previously was on the uh, National Electronic Media Council's um, Public Advisory Council, and he's been working as a lawyer in some different um, uh, positions previously. So, uh, Otto, 
Um, this is not a name that I'd really heard very much, um, you know, before he was elected as the vice mayor, but I am not very hooked into Riga politics as, you know, you are being a resident of Riga. Um, would you say that Ratnik is a very well-known name among um, kind of average people in Riga? Uh, I would say that certainly he would be recognized in uh, several circles of people in Riga. Uh, if I recall um, correctly, uh, at the time when I was a student, he was uh, also uh, connected to the Latvian Student Association. So uh, he was active among uh, the uh, young people then and um, active as a representative of students. Uh, perhaps also his uh, legal background uh, helped that. Um, uh, and also, you know, the Faculty of Law of the University of Latvia is in Central Riga, so it is uh, very good for networking always. Uh, but I think uh, those uh, aspects could have helped him to get uh, his core electorate that also got him in the city council and uh, perhaps would provide a continued support for him if he plays his political cards right uh, in the city politics. Well, one very well-known name in city politics is the um, one of the previous mayors, because uh, there was a few mayors after him, uh, Mr. Niels Ushakovs. He was the mayor of Riga for nearly 10 years during the 2010s. Um, he, as we documented in great detail, kind of at the beginning of the Latvia Weekly podcast, when we started out, um, he kind of lost his job for a number of uh, different allegations and scandals, one of which was potential um, secret recording devices. And um, so he was uh, accused of using an unauthorized uh, recording device, uh, storing it in his desk. But Otto, um, apparently towards the end of December, this was back on December 21st, uh, he was acquitted of doing so. So, um, you know, Right now, he's serving as a member of European Parliament. Um, you know, Otto, do you think that, you know, obviously the case still has to be reviewed um, by the um, District Court of Riga, but do you think that if he is completely acquitted from this, um, that he might be able to, you know, make a comeback in la uh, national politics? Or I don't know, how, how do you see the future of Mr. Ushakov's going forward? Uh, well, um, uh, you mentioned correctly that uh, this is uh, just a. Uh, first uh, instance uh, court decision, uh, we, uh, we will see whether uh, the uh, prosecution, the state prosecution, uh, will go forward and ask the district court to uh, review it. Uh, maybe not. Most, most likely they will. But it could be the question that even if they would have uh, these doubts about uh, the origins or the use of this uh, device, uh, perhaps the, the case uh, for connecting uh, the use of device between any intentions of Mr. Oshakos uh, was not proven in court. So it could be the question what kind of evidence was there and um, whether uh, all was done uh, correctly uh, in terms of technicalities and in, in terms of, um, you know, the, the correct legal ground that would not only sound convincing, but also would stand up uh, according to our uh, on criminal uh, law uh, procedures. Uh, I would not think that he would uh, be contemplating returning back to national politics so soon. Uh, at the same time, um, I would not deny the fact that he still has a strong electorate uh, in Latvia uh, with all the fortunes of uh, the Harmony Party. He is a 
a strong name and he's a um, um, you know household name uh, in um, most places in our country and uh, with or without uh, the party that uh, he's representing uh, he would certainly uh, be a force to reckon with uh, should he uh, decide uh, if not now then let's say uh, after his current term in the European Parliament uh, to uh, see what would be the avenues back to the Latin political stage. Yeah, you know, we've seen, um, as you mentioned, Otto, in a lot of cases previously, a lot of high-profile cases like this, we've had, you know, certain, um, you know, the, the prosecution side fall apart dur- due to some of these, you know, technicalities, um, some of the, you know, the evidence not being strong enough. So we'll have to see if this is another case of that, but it's certainly too early to say so. But yeah, you know, since Mr. Ushakov's has gone to, European Parliament, uh, there has been a uh, power vacuum, you know, certainly in the Harmony Party, and we've seen it kind of, um, you know, kind of start to fall apart, really. Um, so we'll we'll have to see uh, if he comes back and in what form he does so in uh, national politics. So um, another story that we can follow up on regarding Riga. So we talked about how in Kronvaldepark, which is um, <clears throat> in the quiet center region, um, or kind of between the quiet center and Andre Sala regions of Riga. Um, it's this very beautiful park um, that has, unfortunately, as uh, Joni Mitchell would complain, been turned into a parking lot. And uh, there was a number of environmental groups that or, uh, organized and protested against the use of this park as a parking lot. And apparently the uh, Freeport Authority of Riga has uh, no longer... Um, uh, been using this as a parking lot has has, has closed this down. So um, apparently they <clears throat> were only able to make this into a park using a bunch of really sketchy legal loopholes. And uh, looks like this is a win for those community groups who organized and uh, shut this down. So Otto, do you think that this is the last we will see of cars using um, Kronvalde Park as a place to uh, be stored? I sincerely hope so, uh, because um, the, the car park was associated with uh, one institution of the Riga Freeport, so the administration of it, uh, that uh, would be um, you know, well equipped to find other ways where to park their cars. And I think it's a good riddance in terms of uh, objects that would uh, obstruct uh, our opportunities to enjoy the park, which is a very nice place uh, where to uh, go and enjoy a walk around the canal. And um, especially that not far from there is also uh, a playground for children. Uh, I think it would be um, in the interest of uh, the public uh, not to have uh, any cars uh, in the park uh, at all, but especially there where it could uh, become uh, a problem and where it could cause uh, some uh, very nasty uh, injuries and uh, risky situations. Well, that is not the only change that has been made to the I guess, um, you know, streets of Riga or parks of Riga in that case. Another kind of controversial change that was made on the 14th, um, probably not as controversial as it would have been a few years ago, but uh, City Council has decided to change the names of certain streets that were related to um, the Soviet occupation uh, of Latvia, the illegal Soviet occupation of Latvia. For example, uh, Detleva Brandkalna Street, which was uh, named after a Soviet uh, general, who um, uh, so that is being renamed to uh, Honest Brigadieris Street. That is a very famous Latvian uh, author who wrote um, <clears throat> some very famous plays, which are uh, very very um, very tied with uh, Latvian culture. Then. Um, 
Valentina Pitula uh, Alia, which is named after a Russian writer, has been renamed into uh, Birutis Baumanis, after the Latvian uh, painter. And then uh, Staria Rusisila, uh, which was the name of a, a city in Russia, is uh, renamed uh, Hugu Tselmanyila, which is, um, I think, one of the most underrated uh, Latvian political figures. I'm really glad that he is getting recognition with a uh, street. He was a former uh, prime minister uh, and, uh, you know, also a mayor of Riga. And then uh, Akademia Mitslava Tedisha Yela, um, which was named after a uh, Russian and Polish uh, scientist mathematician, is renamed Bralyu Klaudzishu Yela. Um, so the uh, right, br- the um, uh, writers uh, who were, who were uh, uh, brothers. Otto, um, how do you evaluate this change? Do you think that this is going to cause a lot of uh, commotion? I mean, all, obviously, it's already been some time since the uh, issue was decided, um, you know, so the kind of usual suspects, the Harmony Party and the uh, Latvian Russian Union, uh, they, they kicked up a, a fuss about this. But do you think that this is going to be a major issue for the people of Riga going forward? Uh, I think that it could uh, be mostly an issue in terms of practicalities because, of course, uh, it will cost money to change uh, all the uh, street signs, uh, especially that some of those streets are uh, rather long and it would have uh, a number of these uh, high-rise apartment buildings. So it would be the question of uh, addresses, it would be a question of uh, contracts, uh, it would be the question of letters and correspondence. So it will certainly uh, cause uh, inconvenience. Uh, at the same time, I think in the, in the long term, it is the right decision because uh, some of the uh, previous names of the streets had the associations that were perhaps uh, explainable in terms of uh, uh, what was the Russian or the uh, Soviet uh, statecraft or uh, the uh, values uh, of uh, actions that were, uh, you know, uh, commended um, by the the Soviet government, but certainly uh, were not uh, good in most any way uh, for uh, Latvia, if we talk about an independent democratic Latvia, uh, should it be the question of, uh, let's say, the, the Soviet space race or uh, the, the Soviet uh, front in the uh, World War Two uh, and uh, particular actions of the uh, Red Army, uh, then uh, then uh, I, I think that uh, in, in the end it will be better to, to have not only uh, names uh, of um, Latin culture that will be recognized, but also have names for the streets that uh, uh, do not have this uh, political uh, loaded associations or uh, controversiality uh, that uh, some of those names have uh, had and still have to this day. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense. So, and I was also surprised, you know, for example, that Anna Brigadieri didn't have a street already named after her, you know, considering her status in, in Latvian culture. So I'm, I'm glad that she finally does now. Okay, um, well, two more, uh, or I guess one more Riga-related story. So um, since we recorded, the last time we recorded, there was a uh, blizzard throughout the country. It's kind of funny because since then, the snow uh, basically completely melted. And now, um, just this morning here, at least in Yelgova, we had another blizzard. So um, I'm going to have to drive my children to kindergarten in about an hour and a half. And before I do, I'm going to have a lot of snow to clean off. But Otto, I think you probably noticed this as well. You know, back during the really snowy period when the snow, you know, because there was a period 
kind of after the 18th of November for about a month and a half when the snow just didn't melt, right? So the snow kind of came, you know, there, there'd be more snow, but the overall the snow didn't like, you know, completely melt away. Well, you know, you'd walk by certain cars that just had this like, you know, almost close to a meter of snow just on top of them that, you know, hadn't, hadn't been moved for quite some time. Um, apparently in Riga, this is not okay. And this can be fined for up to 350 euros. So, um, because, you know, if you're parked on the street, uh, the, the snow cleaners can't come in and, you know, the, the, the plow can't clean kind of like, um, around you. So, and also, you know, you have to be careful of this because, you know, even if the snow doesn't melt, you know, it, it can melt a little bit during the day and then freeze again. And, and you can get frozen in. I've, I've gotten stuck before uh, after not moving my car for like a day or two. Um, so you have to be very, very careful, um, you know, for, for that not to happen to you. So, uh, you know, can you weigh in on this auto as both a car owner and a resident of Riga? Uh, indeed, uh, that is uh, an uh, issue and the responsibility uh, that all car owners uh, have to uh, deal with. Uh, for example, remembering the same situation where uh, you may have, let's say, not a lot of snow, but at the same time you would have this rain that would uh, come down and freeze over, uh, which would uh, make it difficult to drive. So already you would have upkeep associated uh, with um, cars so that you would be able to drive responsibly. But uh, another issue is indeed uh, the accessibility of uh, the public infrastructure in Riga, where uh, we do not always enjoy the nice wide uh, pavements and streets that uh, Joe does in Yalgava. Uh, and of course, it is especially the case if uh, a car has been left there and uh, has been snowed in. And the owners would probably know that it would be near to impossible to evacuate those cars because of the snow and the ice. At the same time, well, there has to be a way how to deal with that. I know that in Yalgava, uh, they have developed uh, this uh, system quite well. That uh, um, you know, um, I know that on one street where you have these uh, pockets where cars are parked, uh, they would either know who uh, to whom those cars belong or uh, if they would belong to the people who would live in the nearby houses, they would uh, find out or be able to, to call them or give them uh, this information that on this time you have to uh, repark your car so that it will be possible to keep the infrastructure clean. Uh, in Riga, of course, uh, you would have uh, a lot of different cars. You would have the um, uh, shared cars and uh, the foreign cars and everything. And uh, this probably uh, could be a motivation to deal with that because there is one car like that, or at least there was one car like that uh, just before uh, I left for uh, the, this business trip uh, to the United States, like right next to uh, the entrance of uh, the building where I live in, and it was snowed in. It, it, it must have not been uh, <laughs> sat in uh, the car uh, for at least two or three days, and of course you, you could not clean uh, below it or uh, closely uh, around it, and uh, with the increasing snow it would be difficult also to use the nearby pavement and uh, it could also become a problem for uh, the, um, the part of the road that is also used by cars so it would become narrower and it could also create some risky situations. Yeah, you know, at least in Yelgova, um, there's a lot of streets where there'll be, you know, um, a few hours a week where no parking is allowed. You know, one of the streets outside my house um, is like that. And, you know, in terms of people knowing whose car is who, uh, I, you know, I, I've had a situation before where, um, you know, I had my car parked out there, you know, in, in this, uh, you know, zone that says, you know, between, mon you know, Monday between uh, 11 p.m. and Tuesday 3 a.m., uh, you're not allowed to park here. 
you know, I one of my neighbors actually, you know, uh, n- n- knocked on my uh, door and told me, hey, you know, your, your, your car's out there, go move it. And, you know, oh, thanks. And, you know, I even I remember like there was another time I think my trunk got stuck open and, and like one of my <laughs> one of my friends who doesn't even live in the same apartment building as me called and said, hey, your car's open. So, you know, pe- pe- people recognize each other's cars and, uh, you know, th- that's definitely helpful. And in Riga, that's that's not so, um, you know, probably probably so common, but it's nice in a small city like Yelkova. So one last uh, kind of thing regarding uh, cars. So as of this year, the visual appearance of driver's licenses is going to, or has changed, I should say. So um, that that is of the 2nd of January. So uh, the new driver's licenses here in Latvia take into account some new uh, colorful uh, technologies, uh, laser grafting and some other uh, engravings that will be put in, ultraviolet images uh, that have been upgraded. So, um, you know, just uh, for example, if you see a driver's license that looks very strange um, and you're wondering, wait a minute, is this an actual real li- driver's license? Um, it might be, you know, de- definitely check out how the how the new ones look. You can check on um, the CSDD website, but um, that, that that's the uh, traffic uh, directorate. But um, yeah, just just as a heads up, um, the uh, current format of the Latvian licenses is uh, beginning to change. So when people get new licenses, that they will look different. Um, but uh, I don't know, Otto. Actually, do you know how how often um, do people get new licenses in in Latvia? Because I just got my driver's license, I think three or four years ago. Um, so do, do they do they get updated fairly frequently? Well, uh, I think the uh, last design uh, that uh, used to be there um, uh, before the, the new year was there for quite a long time. I do not remember when they changed it the previous time, uh, even though I also have it uh, relatively uh, recently. But it could be associated with the case that, uh, uh, you know, sometimes uh, people would uh, use uh, them for uh, identification purposes or uh, also now for what I mentioned, the car sharing. So uh, the, uh, you would need a valid driver's license to be able to uh, use it. And uh, there have been some cases where either uh, people have been using uh, the licenses of others or um, also there have been some incidents with uh, fake driver's licenses. And um, I think that uh, this would be a way how to deal with that, uh, to uh, take away this opportunity to uh, use it to uh, hurt people in, uh, you know, uh, in a way to not to have them cheated or uh, not to have them uh, uh, any uh, legal problems. So hopefully this will improve the situation and will benefit us all. And speaking of potentially hurting a lot of people, um, you know, if you are applying for a new driver's license and, you know, you are taking the driver's test, uh, do not be like the person who showed up on the 2nd of January who was intoxicated to their uh, driver's license, uh, to their driving exam, which is a, a story that was uh, going quite around, um, you know, if, if, uh, last week, or I should say this week in Latvia. So, uh, yeah, there, there was one person who showed up to their driver's exam um, intoxicated and now um, is certainly being made an example of because we do not want to see anything like that again. You know, we take uh, driving very seriously here at Latvia Weekly. Um, so, you know, definitely be very, very careful when you're out on the roads, uh, regardless of the weather conditions or, or any other conditions like that. So 
Otto, let's take a look at some economic issues real quick. So first of all, um, looking at salaries, teacher salaries are increasing. So they, uh, th this was a decision that was officially made into law on the 13th of December. So, um, you know, we covered in great detail how the teacher strike was avoided at the very <laughs> literal, pretty much last minute um, that, that it could. Uh, so there is going to be a pay raise for teachers throughout the country. Um, that includes Otto and myself, I guess. So, you know, congratulations, Otto. Um, and uh, so so now the lowest um, monthly salary rate uh, for a 36-hour work week is uh, 1,080 uh, euros. And um, uh, for uh, preschool teachers, that's um, 1,070 euros. So actually, sorry, that, that will be, uh, so yeah, for, for the pre, uh, preschool teachers, that's as of the 1st of uh, January for secondary education teachers, that's from the 1st of uh, sep September. But uh, definitely, um, you know, Otto, I, I guess we can look back, you know, th that was a, you know, we're, we're going to, we'll, we'll talk about this at the very end, you know, we're going to look back at kind of the top stories of the year. I think this is definitely one of the ones that we'll discuss, um, you know, in that context. But um, interesting to see how, you know, it kind of all worked out in the end, more or less, uh, for, for all the parties involved, uh, because, you know, um, Christianus Karinch was able to negotiate a final uh, decision. He's still the prime minister, um, you know, kind of against uh, a lot of odds. And, um, you know, the teachers were able to get a pay raise. So, you know, we'll, we'll definitely discuss this more next week. But do you see this overall as kind of an all ends, the, uh, all's well that ends well? Well, it is certainly well. I'm also very happy for those teachers that I know who uh, work hard and will have their work recognized better. At the same time, I would avoid the word end uh, because uh, there were several other uh, requirements or demands from the union of teachers. And uh, we will see whether uh, the government is able uh, to keep up with that. And if it will not be the case, uh, I would very well expect uh, the uh, teachers union uh, to uh, get back and tell that well if we are having this then we have to go all the way and if we didn't go all the way uh, the issue of uh, strike and the issue of uh, trade union action uh, will be uh, back on the table so uh, it's certainly well I can agree but as I mentioned uh, this is certainly not not the end of uh, the story uh, specifically with regard to the, the question of you know increasing the salary is very nice uh, but it is the question about this uh, balance of the uh, contact mm. uh, lessons and the time that uh, teachers would get for consultations and preparing uh, their lessons. And we'll see whether that will also uh, change because in some cases it will require actually to hire more teachers because um, I, I would expect that it will not be possible under this new uh, arrangement for all teachers, especially in some of the subjects where you do have a very a big lack of teachers, such as the STEM subject, uh, to actually cover it all uh, without any other means. So hopefully the government will manage this well, but certainly the issue is uh, not a complete resu result. So I would expect this could be a story that could come later on uh, as we continue our show throughout this year. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's very rare when we have a story that completely ends here on the podcast, because usually we just kind of have threads that continue on, and uh, we will continue on with this one too, certainly. So, uh, well, teachers are not the only group in Latvia who were unsatisfied with their working conditions. Uh, we've been talking for quite some time as well about medical workers, and now that the <clears throat> pandemic 
has uh, entered a phase where it is not as dire as previously because obviously COVID has not gone away. The risks of COVID have not gone away, but um, the urgency um, certainly has kind of died down a little bit compared to the previous two years. Um, you know, b- before COVID, medical workers were just about ready to kind of, uh, you know, go, go into a more serious uh, road towards striking. And, uh, you know, that was kind of sidelined due to the pandemic and due to their, you know, kind of sense of responsibility as doctors are, you know, incredibly responsible people. But now um, that has come to the forefront again. And Otto, it looks like that there could be um, some kind of strike in the near term. There's been a lot of talk about it. I've heard a lot about, uh, you know, talk on the on the radio um, and other publications. Uh, How likely do you see it as there being a significant because, of course, you know, there's a number of different trade unions that, that uh, represent doctors. And, you know, it's not just kind of like one massive, um, you know, doctors as a as a category, you know, it's, it's unlikely that every single doctor in Latvia is going to go out in the streets as, you know, might might happen in, you know, certain other countries. But uh, how, how likely do you see it as a significant strike happening in Latvia of, of medical workers? Uh, well, it will depend uh, how uh, good the cooperation is between the uh, a new minister who on the one hand was nominated, uh, Miss Mendelssohn was nominated by the uh, United List, so she is associated with that party. At the same time, she is not a member of uh, that list. So uh, on the one hand, she is um, associated with this political force. On the other hand, she does not have the, the full political backing as uh, a minister would usually have. So uh, hopefully, uh, it will be possible for the minister to uh, use her experience in uh, getting the different sides together, as she previously was the head of the Latvian Union of Employers, uh, and uh, she was involved in the social dialogue with the government, specifically with Mr. Karinš, so she would know uh, the different ways of how to uh, put forward uh, your ideas and interests and how to get uh, some things done. Uh, At the same time, it is a very challenging position to have, and uh, uh, I would expect that uh, for uh, some uh, in the uh, medical field, uh, it will be a change, especially um, after the different additional funding that they received during the pandemic would come to an end. And uh, it would be uh, a lot of these groups of interest that would uh, look forward uh, to improving uh, their own uh, situation. and. Uh, it would be difficult for the minister to put it all together. Uh, for example, the balance between the, the public and the private healthcare sector, also the balance between uh, some uh, industries, uh, sp- meaning some specific uh, sectors of the uh, um, medical uh, field. Uh, we heard of this issue at the Latvian Center of Oncology, uh, where uh, there were different things that uh, the doctors were not happy about, and uh, they threatened to quit. and. Uh, perhaps they are in a better position to negotiate because their specializations are quite rare and at the same time uh, that is a big enough of an issue in terms of numbers of patients. Uh, At the same time, I would not say that this would uh, be viewed very much differently in other fields. So there will be a lot of work, uh, a lot of issues, and I would not exclude uh, the medical personnel to be ready to strike. And perhaps uh, it would be more difficult uh, to, uh, let's say, uh, 
or criticize them for it or to find criticism against that action, that industrial action, especially at the time when you cannot really tell that it is pandemic and uh, you have to uh, do it in the name of uh, public good and we have deal with all the structural issues later. Uh, so uh, we'll see how this deferment of uh, resolving some of the issues will fare. Well, good luck to the new minister, but certainly it will not be an easy job. Mm-hmm. Well, um, <clears throat> certainly, certainly will not. And uh, we will keep you posted on this because, you know, looking ahead to 2023, I can predict that's probably going to be end up being one of our uh, big stories because that's not going to go away. And certainly, um, I think if there's one group of people in Latvia that deserve a raise after the last few years, it is certainly medical workers, uh, considering the heroic work that they did during the worst phases of the pandemic. So um, real quick, two last things about the economy. One is that, uh, you know, we discussed this already in quite great detail, but a uh, minimum wage has increased now from 500 euros to 620 euros um, and will increase next year um, to uh, 700 euros from uh, the 1st of January 2024. Um, so we've talked a lot about inflation. We're going to probably uh, next week's episode also on our look back episode talk about inflation kind of, um, you know, in, in, in more detail there. But, you know, certainly that can have... Um, you know, and in fact, on, uh, you know, helping people deal with inflation, but can, of course, uh, potentially contribute to inflation as well. Um, so, you know, it's it's something that, uh, you know, we have to be careful of, as uh, Otto has mentioned uh, many times before. Um, and uh, real quick, also, the uh, Latvian Central Bank, this was back in the middle of December, um, they published their uh, kind of a macroeconomic forecasts, and they predicted that in um, 2023, there's going to be what they call a quote unquote shallow recession, but that uh, we will be back to, um, you know, strong GDP growth in the year 2024. Um, you know, certainly there's been a lot of uh, gloomy forecasts uh, going around about the, you know, global economy in general uh, for this year. Um, but uh, the, Latvia, the, the Bank of Latvia seems to be uh, quite a bit more optimistic. Otto, how, how do you, um, you know, kind of see, because I, I know you're someone who, who follows the, the economy, um, you know, pretty, pretty closely. Uh, do you, do you think that, uh, uh, the Bank of Latvia is, um, overly pessimistic, overly optimistic, or, or seems to be, um, you know, fairly grounded here with their prediction? Uh, I would say that the Latvian Central Bank has, uh, usually been quite, uh, conservative and, uh, healthily pessimistic uh, in its uh, outlook uh, so uh, they have uh, always had a, a strong analysis in uh, uh, whatever uh, reasoning they have put out and it has not seemed uh, to be uh, affected by let's say political influence or um, the, the party political benefits as far as I know. Uh, but it, it could very well be true, um, and I would say that uh, uh, a very big factor here could be the psychological one, as people are uh, much more cautious about uh, spending um, um, their um, uh, income uh, that uh, they could, let's say, uh, usually use for, uh, such as eating out, going out, uh, some uh, um, leisure activities or traveling. Um, I would expect that uh, many 
uh, of these uh, industries that would um, depend on uh, people uh, using their disposable income uh, for uh, non-basic needs, that uh, they will be affected. And that could be one of the reasons why the bank would think so. We already are seeing that in the uh, catering uh, industry, um, especially in Riga. Uh, but uh, I would uh, expect that to be the case also for uh, some uh, other industries, especially when the uh, tourist numbers are lower than usual because it's not the prime uh, season uh, anymore. And the energy prices and the production prices uh, remain an issue. Uh, so um, hopefully it will be better than it seems, but even if that is the case and what the bank is expecting, uh, it is certainly not uh, the uh, worst situation that we could expect and um, probably we should not be too worried about that at this point. Thank you, Otto. Um, well, I am going to have to drive my daughters to school fairly soon, so Otto, I think it might be time to bring back a segment which we have not done in quite some time, that is our rapid fire segment, uh, where we cover a number of stories in a fairly short amount of time. Do you think that we could do that, Otto? Let's give it a try. Okay, so first story is um, regarding uh, energy, which is something that's been a huge issue uh, in the last year, um, You know, specifically since the uh, beginning of the new phase in the war of, uh, in Ukraine, where uh, Russia uh, did a large-scale illegal invasion of Ukraine, and that is um, about uh, the electricity costs well, um, you know, and, and energy security in general. So there was a report on the 23rd of December that as of at least November, um, electricity consumption in Latvia was covered by 82% um, local production. So 82% of um, electricity was produced here in Latvia. Now, of course, that has led to higher prices because, um, you know, one of the reasons why we imported uh, a you know, significant amount of uh, electricity was uh, for the lower costs. But Otto, I mean, you know, I have to imagine as a uh, security analyst, you, you must be pretty happy that, that Latvia has the capacity um, to do so. Uh, indeed, uh, that is uh, good. Uh, at the same time, um, I would say that uh, it is um, uh, good news for now, but uh, for the long term, we would not be able to rely on that so much. Uh, one of the issues that we have, not only in Latvia, but in Baltics in general, is that uh, we do not uh, produce uh, enough of uh, the electricity that we would need to uh, consume. As a result, uh, that is one of the reasons that has uh, affected the sometimes very uh, high pricing uh, of electricity because we had to uh, import it on uh, any uh, conditions that were available in the uh, market. That is something that we will have to uh, resolve. And no wonder that now we will have a separate ministry in Latvia that will deal with these issues because the question of uh, additional generation, uh, for example, uh, such as uh, this uh, project between Latvia and Estonia, uh, the wind parks and everything, well, there have to be uh, new ideas and um, um, new solutions. This is good for now, but certainly it, uh, it is not uh, to say that this issue is resolved. Speaking of an issue that also has not been resolved, that is the career of Mr. Uh, Gattis uh, Truxnis. And I remember, uh, so, so so that is the now former mayor of uh, Yurmala, who has been plagued by a number of scandals. 
I remember Otto, um, I came into the teacher's room one day uh, when, you know, the story broke that, uh, you know, he was no longer, or this was, I think, a week later, um, and I, I'd missed it somehow that he was no longer the mayor of, uh, of Yermola, that he had been removed. And I remember saying like, Otto, wow, can you believe it? I mean, you know, after all this, and I remember you just kind of like, you kind of rolled your eyes a little bit um, and, you know, because you, you you weren't convinced that this was the end of the story. And it certainly is not because on the 22nd of uh, December, uh, he actually got a pay raise uh, because he is now serving as an advisor to the chairman of the council and now is uh, getting a salary of uh, 4,732 euros, which is even higher than he was um, as the mayor. So, um, Otto, are, are you, I'm, I'm guessing you're probably not surprised by this, uh, given your reaction uh, to the story, when, when the story broke in the first place. Well, uh, for Mr. Truxness, he has uh, always had a significant electorate uh, in uh, the city and also very strong connections in his party. So I did not expect uh, uh, the situation where he loses the mayor's uh, position uh, to go away from politics uh, completely. Uh, at the same time, uh, it is, of course, in a, a peculiar situation. At the same time, if we look in the context, it is perhaps then more clear to our listeners because the City uh, Council of Yurmala voted to raise the salaries of all uh, people working in the City Council. So uh, should Mr. Truxness be the mayor, his salary would be even higher. But as uh, he has this uh, political uh, office of advising the vice mayor, then, of course, uh, he's uh, receiving uh, a bigger salary than uh, such an advisor would receive uh, previously. Well, Otto, I'm sure that you and Olevs uh, over in America right now are enjoying the, um, you know, as, as you're both uh, political junkies and, you know, obviously as you're the heads of a, uh, you know, uh, th- think tank, uh, you, you must be enjoying the story that's been breaking about George Santez, the uh, congressman who has apparently lied about every single aspect of his life. Well, Latvia um, seems to have a more low-key version of Mr. George Santez, that is uh, Gloria Grevsova um, from the Force Stability Party, who um, apparently has criminal proceedings going against her for lying about an aspect of her CV. Um, that is the fact that she was working as a woodworker at the company um, S.E.A. Dolo. Um, and apparently uh, she was only employed in a smaller junior capacity. So, you know, it's very interesting to see, Otto, that... Um, <laughs> You know, th- this is so incredibly minor compared to the, <laughs> you know, just like f- wholesale, full-scale whoppers that uh, George Santos was telling about himself. But um, you know, lot, lot you know, pe- people have, um, you know, I, I think uh, kind of characterized um, uh, Latvia a little bit unfairly, you know, especially in the last few years, as uh, not, uh, you know, tough enough on its politicians and its public officials. But it seems like it's taking this uh, very, very seriously because. Um, the uh, SIMA Mandate Ethics and Submissions Commission um, unanimously voted to um, to allow criminal proceedings to continue against her. So, uh, you know, how do how do you see this uh, this uh, process going forward? It is interesting to compare those two examples because, indeed, uh, uh, the story of. Uh, 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 Mr. Santos was uh, widely reported in American news, so on many channels that I had the chance to see, uh, it was uh, shown extensively. But uh, it seems that whereas in uh, the United States, this particular case and those allegations are uh, very much a, uh, an ethics question, a media story and a party political thing, 
uh, in Latvia, perhaps this story is slightly uh, of a, of a, a, a smaller uh, amplification. It has not been reported so much as the case of Mr. Santos in the U.S. At the same time, the implications are different because, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but uh, what Mr. Santos did uh, uh, with regard to his CV and everything, I do not think that it would be legally actionable because he may have put, uh, let's say, a CV or information that is uh, not true, but uh, I do not think that there would be any criminal liability for him uh, uh, in the U.S. Uh, under the um, uh, the federal law, whereas in the so it, it could be an ethics issue, uh, but not a legal issue. Uh, whereas uh, in the case of Ms. Grevtsova, it is the case that uh, you sign uh, when you apply as a candidate for the member of the. Uh, parliament, uh, all the information, you have to provide uh, your, uh, you have to state your uh, formal education and you have to state your uh, the profession or the job that you have and you have to sign that this information is true. So you have to attest that it is correct. And uh, here it is the case, not that it would be uh, perhaps unethical that she would lie, but uh, that she would have broken the law by providing false mm. information to the election committee because all of that information is then published as part of the official election materials. Well, um, you are correct, Otto, and that's why <clears throat> the uh, the leader of the uh, Democrats in the uh, House Representatives have has um, submitted the Stop Another Non-Truthful Office Seeker Act, uh, which would rectify that and, and would take Latvia's example. And if you uh, take the acronym, that turns into the Santos Act. So, <laughs> um, you know, potentially uh, there might be a new um, act of law um, that rectifies that with, with his name on it. So certainly quite an accomplishment to already have legislation named after you um, after such a short time in Congress. But we will we will keep an eye on um, at least the lobbying version of that story. And I think both Otto and I will keep an eye on the George Santos story as well, because it is quite entertaining. Um, okay, l last few stories real quick. So uh, TV Rain, we talked about in pretty good detail last episode. That is the um, uh, Russian uh, media uh, organization, which is uh, no longer uh, able to uh, broadcast. It, it lost its uh, broadcast license um, in uh, in Latvia um, due to a number of violations. But uh, it has been reported that uh, employees who have been issued work visas can continue working. So although they can't broadcast in Latvia, they can uh, continue to work here in Latvia. So do, do you see that as a um, reasonable outcome, Otto, given the situation? Uh, I think it is because uh, whereas they are not permitted to uh, broadcast in Latvia or um, work as uh, uh, journalists providing content in Latvia um, using the TV rain platform, it does not prevent them uh, from uh, uh, reporting um, and doing their job as journalists individually uh, in this uh, country, also taking account the specific circumstances under uh, which they arrived here. So uh, I think that uh, it is still a chance for them um, to do their work, uh, to be journalists, uh, uh, and to find uh, another specific way how to uh, go on with their profession that, of course, will um, presumably uh, not change. And perhaps that is a um, a way how to respect uh, the law and to uh, recognize that uh, the uh, Latvian law was not followed on several occasions in their actions. At the same time, it would uh, not uh, go against uh, the specific journalist as individuals. 
Uh, well, uh, we talked earlier about how the, co- uh, the COVID pandemic has slowed down a little bit, but um, at least as of the 28th of December, it is in a um, heightened uh, you know, uh, situation compared to what it had been previous uh, months. And that is why the National um, Emergency Medical Service has gone into an emergency mode. So ambulances um, are only uh, responding uh, quickly to the most severe cases right now, such as, um, you know, unconsciousness, severe bleeding, uh, cardiac arrest, respiratory arrest, um, uh, you know, certain huge um, you know, priority situations like that and, um, you know, smaller priority situations, uh, you know, are not going to be uh, <clears throat> responded to quite as quickly. So that was as of the 28th of December. I've not heard um, since then that uh, the uh, state of emergency um, has gone away. Um, so I, I, I might have missed that, but um, I believe we are still in that situation right now. And I, I can say that... So uh, you are correct. I understand that this is still the case and yeah. uh, they are highly prioritizing all the uh, requests uh, for help uh, that they have uh, mm-hmm. to deal with the case that they are unable to respond to all of them. And as in any situation, you know, always in, in a normal situation in a hospital, everywhere you uh, prioritize, uh, you, you see what, what is the most uh, acute issue and what is not. And unfortunately, they have to be even more uh, specific and evaluate even um, in a more narrower way than usual because they're just overwhelmed. That's that. Yeah. Yeah, so um, definitely think twice, um, you know, before calling the ambulance. I mean, you shouldn't call the ambulance anyway, unless it's an absolute emergency. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> then um, two other stories, real quick. So one is that the uh, new Minister of Transports, Mr. Janis Wittenbergs, um, has asked Rail Baltic to report in two weeks and explain why there have been so many problems and delays in this uh, massive project to, um, you know, connect the Baltic capitals with the rest of Europe's high-speed rail infrastructure. Um, you know, I think Otto and I are certainly happy to see any progress move forward towards this because we're very excited as uh, big fans of rail. Um, but Otto, real quick, do you, do you see this as kind of um, political theater or do you think that this is going to have an actual impact on the um, speed of the process? Uh, well, we will have to see uh, whether um, on any of the information that the minister would receive, he would actually have the mandate to act on. Remembering that it is not just a national project, it involves all the three Baltic countries, it involves the European Commission, it involves this multinational um, uh, enterprise that deals uh, with the construction. There are some aspects that have gone uh, forward very well. You have uh, all those changes you can see uh, in the center of Riga, um, how quickly it has changed. At the same time, of course, not everything is going according to the plan. Well, we'll see. Hopefully, we'll hear back from the minister uh, if there is anything he can do based on the information he will receive from the Rail Baltica uh, builders and uh, planners. And a final uh, rapid-fire story is that the Dwood Pietzi Marathon, which is a uh, marath- uh, charity marathon that happens every single year on Latvian public media, uh, raised 804,384 euros for Ukrainian children who are here in Latvia, which is far and away the record. Um, this charity marathon happens every year, and every year there's a different worthy cause that is selected to raise money for um, by donating, um, you know, uh, by uh, having a song Uh, played on the radio. Um, So huge congratulations to that team who, uh, you know, um, locked themselves in a glass 
uh, box for um, you know an entire week uh, to to help uh, raise donations and also to uh, Tom's Gravenge who uh, I think did seven different marathons um, over those days to to raise money um, and uh, you know this is in incredibly important because especially since uh, there was a story reported um, at the end of December that there are hundreds of children here um, without their parents from Ukraine. So um, Otto, I think we can uh, say a huge congratulations and, and that that should be, um, you know, significant show of support from from Latvia uh, because because that that is, you know, far and away the record that has been uh, donated um, since the Dord Pietzi Marathon started back in 2013. So congratulations. That's amazing. Um, real quick, one international story, Otto, um, that I wanted to touch on. So there are, uh, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of uh, Saab. That is the only car I've ever owned my entire life. I've, I've had a Saab. But although Saab no longer makes uh, cars, uh, you know, a lot of people have kind of uh, assumed that the company has gone away. But the cars were actually, um, from what I understand of, of Saab, kind of a secondary thing because they're mostly, um, you know, a, a company that deals with, um, with air. And uh, so Saab has uh, received orders um, from Latvia for an a-, a ground-based air defense system, which um, from what I understand is called RBS-70NG, and also for a uh, radar system, um, which has uh, been ordered by the Latvian uh, Ministry of Defense. So I can say um, I love my Saab car. I assume that their uh, air defense um, equipment is uh, is probably even better, Auto. So um, how, how, how do you see this? Um, you know, uh, purchase helping Latvia's defense uh, situation? I think that uh, the system has a good track record in uh, being used by uh, some of the other countries that uh, we know. Uh, and I think uh, looking what is happening uh, in the Russian war against Ukraine, uh, the system uh, would be uh, not only a helpful deterrent, uh, but also something that we could use very well in looking at uh, some of the lessons learned uh, from uh, what are the ways how the modern conflict is uh, taking place. And certainly it is a benefit for uh, our national defense uh, capability. So I would have a positive view on this development. Excellent. Well, um, Otto, do we have a week in history that we can talk about very briefly? Uh, indeed, and uh, I would like uh, to mention uh, the 5th of January of uh, 1917, uh, which is uh, when, according to the calendar that we have today, uh, which is, of course, the Gregorian calendar, uh, but we know that in Latvia uh, we also have had the Julian one, uh, including the time when we were part uh, in the Russian Empire. Uh, it was the time in 1917, during World War One when uh, you had uh, the beginning of the Christmas battles, which if you would look at the history of World War One, especially in the Eastern Front, it is a very significant development because it was um, the time, um, according uh, to the old calendar or the Julian calendar, when you actually had Christmas when uh, the uh, Imperial German troops uh, uh, continued with their offensive against the Russian Empire, uh, a part of which uh, was Latvia. And uh, the Latin soldiers uh, who were uh, uh, allowed to establish a national formation in uh, the Russian army, they showed uh, themselves very well in uh, some of the bloodiest fights on the Eastern Front uh, in uh, World War One. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, uh, the many deaths that the Latin soldiers uh, suffered uh, were not uh, used particularly well by the Russian army and uh, 
and the opportunity to perhaps get back uh, the territories occupied by the German troops were uh, uh, wasted. And of course, it was very tragic for many people in Kurzeme and uh, other areas from which the soldiers came from. Uh, at the same time, it was also uh, another significant moment uh, for many uh, in the Latin society uh, to see that our future cannot be associated with the Russian Empire, uh, seeing uh, in uh, what way or uh, how low the, the Tsarist government uh, would view and uh, treat us and uh, those aspects were important uh, to the people of Latvia, specifically uh, the land which suffered very much during World War One. Well, thank you very much, Otto. And um, <clears throat> the last things that I would like to say, so first of all, uh, looking at our week in the future, um, I've been uh, asked by a number of people, are we going to do our year in review episode? And as I kind of already hinted earlier, yes, we are. So Otto and I will come together probably next uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. And what we'll probably do is um, give a few updates that happen between now and then. We'll see kind of how much news breaks in that time. But we will devote the episode to do as we always do every single year. Um, I believe this is the fifth year we're doing this already or, or, or sixth year. Um, and we are going to go back and uh, look at the top 10 stories that um, you know were important to Latvia in 2022. And then we will also be naming the Latvia Weekly Person of the Year, not necessarily the quote-unquote best person of the year, but but the person who had a significant amount of um, uh, news coverage or, or, um, or influence in the year. Um, so we will be taking nominations. So you can go to the Latvia Weekly Facebook page, latviaweekly.com, and you can submit your nominations for Person of the Year and for um, the stories of the year. And then Otto and I, and uh, probably a few other people who are involved in the show, like Chris and, and Olives, and um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, and Keen, of course, um, you know, we, we will sit down and uh, kind of make our decision. So very excited to do that, Otto. Um, and one very last important thing that I wanna say is a massive thanks to everybody who uh, donated to the Integration for Ukraine project over the last few weeks. Uh, thanks to you, we raised 2,626 euros, and that means that we will be able to continue our project to teach English to Ukrainian refugees going um, in the next few months. So huge thanks to everybody uh, who very generously donated. Um, we will be beginning the courses. I'm, I'm actually just going to uh, have a conference call with Mr. Chris Ockenfelds a little bit later. We will be um, setting those up. So um, we will have links. If you know people or if you are a uh, Ukrainian refugee who would like to participate in the courses, uh, we will have uh, links available uh, where, to, where to sign up for those. But, but huge thanks, everyone. I, I know that there was like a million different very worthy causes, uh, many of which were uh, connected with Ukraine as well to donate to uh, this holiday season. But uh, thank you for choosing us. And uh, we will do our best um, to uh, you know, make sure that as many people as possible can take advantage of this opportunity. And uh, again, huge thanks to the U.S. Embassy in Riga, who was able to um, you know, uh, fund this project for more than half a year um, you know, for uh, in 2022. And, you know, th this project wouldn't have been possible at all um, without the support of the U.S. Embassy in, in Riga. And um, Otto, any, anything you would like to um, uh, kind of uh, say either about the project or um, about uh, anything else uh, before we start to wrap up? Uh, let me join you in uh, thanking all those who helped us to help uh, Ukrainian refugees. Uh, 
um, in a way that uh, I think uh, they appreciated and benefited from. Um, uh, I'm very glad that we will be able to uh, continue that. Uh, and I'm also very glad, uh, Joe, that we are able to continue uh, our uh, work, our hobby on this show, also in this year, and there will be many interesting stories uh, to uh, report on, and hopefully our listeners will benefit from that as well. Certainly. Thank all of you for listening. I'm sorry that my voice was kind of difficult to listen to during this episode. Um, I can assure you it was also difficult to talk as well. So I will stop talking now and I will drive my uh, children to school. Um, but Otto, thank you so much for joining me. It's now quite late at night for you. So, so you can go get some rest now. I uh, just had my first coffee today, so I will go on. Uh, thank you, Kenyon, for um, doing an amazing job of keeping the Facebook page going. Um, you know, in the kind of uh, spaces between when Otto and I are able to record, uh, you know, you are an absolutely, uh, you know, amazing uh, page manager. And uh, we look forward to discussing 2022 in greater detail with you next week. But until then, everyone, visa la Salabu.